Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Axiom Podcast. Um, We're a community centered around experiencing Jesus together and practicing His ways as a community. Uh, We like to say in Peoria as it is in heaven. Um, So this podcast is just space for discussion and exploring um, ideas and principles of the kingdom and also where we post uh, our sermons from Sunday gatherings. So um, please engage us online and uh, hope you enjoy this episode. We are in Lent, and we are starting a series, uh, When You Pray. Uh, We want to bring Lent and prayer together, and I know prayer is like, you know, a huge topic. It's also on the ground level, it's a big topic because it's something we've all engaged in or relate to in different ways, and my hope is that during this next 40 days or so, that we would find ourselves fascinated by the opportunity to connect with God in prayer and fasting, uh, which is part of this Lenten journey. And we've titled this, When You Pray, after Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 6 and and 6, 16, he says, but when you pray, but when you pray, and in verse 16, if you go over there, it says, When you fast, notice that Jesus doesn't say, if you pray, or if you fast. He assumes as disciples that you pray, and that you fast, that it would be a normative part of your relationship with him. And he teaches us, how to do this. And you can go to Matthew 6 to get, get started on that, and I would encourage you to do that. Uh, we might come back to it along the way this morning and throughout these next few weeks. But as a community with Jesus at the center, I'm challenging each of us to commit to fasting and to praying this Lenten pilgrimage, this 40-day season between Ash Wednesday and Maundy Thursday, between Fat, the Feast of Fat Tuesday that we all had this last week, that was a good time, by the way, and the Feast of Maundy Thursday. The Lenten season sits between the, this first feast and the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. And traditionally, the church has always done this, by the way, Originally, Lent was a season that the church used to equip people, prepare them for baptism on Easter morning. So on that, if you desire to be baptized, let us know. You can put it on the Connect card or on our website. You'll see there is a spot for that as well. We would love to walk with you in preparation for Easter. The church expanded to adopt Lent as a whole because it began to notice that there was something about this season between the feasts and preparation for Jesus' resurrection, Good Friday and resurrection on Easter morning, that God showed up, that, that in people's lives, transformation began to happen because people were choosing to marry their convictions with their actions, that they were committed to opening a door And that's what prayer is, by the way. It's a doorway to enter into a space with God. And as people choose to 
open the door instead of just kind of, well, I believe it, maybe it'll just happen. But they open the door and they commit to walking into it through prayer and fasting and traditionally feasting on the word of God and repentance and some of these other components that were attached to Lent. The church just noticed that revival started to take place in communities. I think that's an incredible opportunity that we have in front of us. And it's not, I'm not saying that the spiritual disciplines is going to be your, your uh, magic pill for experiencing a radical new life with God. It's not a magic trick. It's a door that you choose to open. And I'm inviting you to open it and to walk into it. And we've created a Linton journey guide to for you to walk with as well uh, as prayer corner. There's, there's resources beyond resources. And so I just invite you to, to get into it. Now with that, today we're going to talk about fasting because I recognize that fasting is one of the most abused of Jesus' practices and probably the least engaged also. Um, it's not the most popular one. Have you noticed that? People don't love to fast. You know, some of us love worship, some of us love silence, some of us love holy merriment, some of us love all these practices. But when it comes to fasting, like if we were to create a sign up in the lobby and put fasting here and, you know, feasting over here, we're picking feasting most of the time. Most of the time. And yet, Jesus says, when you fast. When you fast, not if you fast. But the, the reality is here is we have a strange relationship with food. And our little foodie culture we have. Each of us do. I mean, we've got favorite foods. We, some of us just live to eat. And yes, we eat to live. But some of us, it's like life is just a series of events between meals. <laughs> That's how we treat it. Uh, I grew up, here's my food journey, um, no, one, no one will uh, love this, but this is just the way it was. I grew up in the morning, I had malto meal. Anybody here had malto meal? Yeah, that's what I had for breakfast for the first 18 years of my life, <laughs> malto meal. And for lunch, I had peanut butter and pickle sandwiches. Yeah, this is a great, great menu. That's what I had for 18 years of my life for lunch. And then when I'd get home for snack, we'd crack open a can of mushroom soup. And we wouldn't cook the mushroom soup. I'd just get a spoon and eat it out of the can because, you know, we're just adding water. <laughs> my mom is in the room. You can fact check me, I guess. And then for dinner, we had casserole. <laughs> okay, that wasn't every meal, but those were staples in my food journey. And for better or worse, <laughs> that's part of what it was for me. Now, I also had, you know, favorite foods because here's the deal. Once a week, my parents would take us out to eat. Or, or we would get fast food or go to a restaurant. And this was a really special night. We would go to the local restaurant or occasionally my favorite at the time when I was a kid. It's no longer my favorite. We'd go to Taco Bell. 
And I love Taco Bell as a kid. I don't love Taco Bell anymore. We don't need to talk about it. But there is trauma there for me. But once a week, I, I, gotta, I gotta go out and eat, and it was wonderful. Now, I bring all this up because I recognize that we live in a culture that is a food culture, which is part and why fasting is something of sort of the fringe for us. But also because our relationship to food has something to say about our relationship with God. That what our body takes in has some correlation to our relationship with God. And when we think about our culture and its food habits, it doesn't take very much reflection to begin to realize how detrimental our food practices really are, not just on our physical health or mental health, but our spiritual well-being also. Today, the average American eats out six meals per week. Now, I grew up once a week, and I'm not saying oh, I've got it more figured out because, you know, I ate peanut butter and pickle sandwiches. But the average American eats six meals per week and spends 40 to 60% of their food budget dining out. 40 to 60% of their food budget goes towards eating out. Now, some of you are like, oh, hold on, I'm not eating out. I'm having it brought to me. <laughs> it's called DoorDash or Grubhub or Uber Eats. Okay. The average person that participates in that kind of eating out, just in fees alone, delivery fees alone, averages about $1,000 a year. to have food delivered to them with an average meal cost per person. This shocked me. $33.89 for food delivery. Well, but I'm saving gas. No, you're not. Someone's driving it still. And you're paying for their gas to drive it. And in this relationship of food, and consumption, we see some of the strongest spiritual powers at play. We see this power of pleasure at work. We see this power of efficiency at work. That we are submitting ourselves to we're letting our lives be increasingly shaped by forces that aren't just about what I like to eat, but they're far more attached to things that go deeper and deeper. This is a hedonistic culture that we find ourselves living in. Think about it. How, how, how much do you prioritize your personal comfort and whether you feel good or not? Well, I won't feel good until I have that coffee. And so we prioritize that pleasure. Because it's not about just eating something. It's about what it does for us as a whole. But it's not just about the pleasure. It's about the efficiency. 
what will be most productive with the least amount of cost. That's why Grubhub and Uber Eats is a thing. Because it's pleasurable and it's fast. And those are the opposite of Lent. Those are the opposite of the desert. But it's not just the opposite of the desert, it's also the opposite of the garden in Genesis. Where there is food to be eaten. And so in a weird way, we are eating ourselves while starving ourselves at the same time. But Lent invites us to starve the flesh so that we might feed the Spirit. That's the journey we're on. And I don't think it's that hard to see how easy it is to get caught up in all the physical things, the devices. I don't think it's that hard to see how it harms us. Have you noticed even that we tend to lose our appetite for that deeper union. We, we, we don't give attention to that spiritual ache. It's easy to sweep over the voice of God or the, the, the sense that there's something more. To exchange that for the short-sighted promises of instant gratification... Or just, you know, how about tomorrow? We choose immediate distraction as a choice. And then it's no longer a choice, it's just habit. Doom scrolling, calendar filling. On and on and on it goes. Anything to postpone any kind of emotional labor or grief, whatever it takes to not have to deal with reality. Now, I might be over-exaggerating in some forms, but I think most of us have dumbed it down the attachment that's taking place in spaces of immediate gratification, whether that's through pleasure or efficiency. And whenever, as much as you are participating in that, whether intuitively or by choice, you are feeding not the spirit, but the flesh. And have you noticed, by the way, that like every other photo on your reel is like food? Or something tasteful in a different way? Have you noticed that? Why is it that food and sex keep showing up in some form? The two are actually in disagreement. Because the more I eat, the less I look like that. And the more I look like this, the less I eat. But hold on, this is the disordered desire at work that we keep pinging between, not because you're hungry or horny, but because you have a deep-seated need to feel something that you don't know how to feel. 
you don't know how to walk in the garden. You just feel like you're living in the wilderness. And so you reach for whatever fruit or pleasure there is. But Jesus enters into that desert, that space. He walks between the valley of your disordered desires and begins to reconfigure us if we choose to walk through the door. Lent is a door into the wilderness with God, into the place of choosing not to give ourselves to something that we've named, to exchange that for feasting on the other. It's what Jesus does. It's what he did. And we read about this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. You can turn there. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, that's the Lenten journey, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell those stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's the exchange, by the way. That as we starve this part of the flesh, we feed the Spirit. We choose to abstain from this so that we might instead partake in this other thing. We choose to not give away power. That's the strange thing. It's like, you know... In the garden, how we were called to have dominion over the plants of the earth and the fish and all the creatures on it in Genesis 3. Isn't it interesting that those things have power over us now? And so we're, we're, we're choosing to reclaim our inherited power that the, the garden says we have with God. Fasting is prayer. It's prayer with the body, with the gut. It's learning to be dependent on God. It is a space where we can only find real satisfaction with the voice or the words of God, whatever comes from the mouth of God. That is what we feast on when we fast. It's an embodied spiritual prayer. Because, just as we know from the garden, we are both dust and breath, body and spirit. And it's important that we understand that. Angels 
They're spirit without flesh. Sorry, but animals are flesh without spirit. I know some of you disagree. People are both. And so fasting, although there is a physical component, it's through that physical means that the spiritual component is brought forward. Dust and breath. Notice also that in Genesis, Adam and Eve are confronted. Who confronts them? The serpent does. And who now confronts Jesus? In the desert. The serpent does. Interestingly, both around the topic of food. This one happens to be bread, the other is fruit, but here's the deal. Life with God is not a series of missing meals. That's not what this is about. It's about what that represents. And that's the deeper thing, the bigger thing, the fuller thing. Have you tasted it? Have you eaten from it? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's the buffet. That's the feast. And while it may start spiritual, it is not just spirit. Because the word becomes flesh. And it dwelt among us. That's Jesus Christ. And so this Lent, we're inviting you into a journey with Jesus, of fasting and prayer, because we want this church to experience the fullness of what God offers through His Son, Jesus. I want to be like we read about in Luke 2, verse 36 through 37, where it says, There was a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was this widow until she was 48. Excuse me, I totally skipped a line here. Uh, she never left, verse, yeah, verse 37, she never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. This was her normative thing. This, they lived there because this is the place where we experience the fullness of life with God. Acts 13, we see it again in verse 1 through 3. Now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, and then it names them. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. See, this is a spiritual act, not just a physical one. 
Charles Spurgeon wrote, Our seasons of fasting and prayer at the tabernacle have been high days indeed. Never has heaven's gates stood wider. Never has our hearts been nearer to the central glory that is Jesus Christ. By participating in a fast, we place ourselves in the way of God's grace, allowing us to find freedom from the things that rob us from the person and presence of God. It teaches us to say no to the devil. The devil lies in the temptation, in the devices, in the disordered desires. He's in the wilderness, offering us all sorts of fast, pleasurable measures. And we learn to say no. And in doing so, we say yes to something greater.